I clicked a button. And I think oh. it was the right button. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> it almost feels as though that's true. Can you feel it? I can, I can I feel, feel it. I can feel so many things. Oh. <laughs> I'm feeling many things. I can feel it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Hey, no, that's not us yet. Any second now, Facebook um, will update and show us us. Show me us. Know, there we are. You know who Patrick Warburton is? No. Feels oh, God. Oh, I'm not true. muted. Ugh. Shut up, me. Okay. Who the Patrick? What now? You, you don't know who Patrick Warburton is. Wow. Okay. Well, so I don't might, know this might, person by might. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, he was the Tick in the original Tick TV show. He mm-hmm. was Kronk in The Emperor's New Groove. Okay. Um, he does a lot of voice acting. Oh, that's that guy. He has a name. Yeah, he's um, uh, the neighbor who I can't Joe Joe Swanson in Family Guy. Yeah, yeah, um, he's the guy. Yeah, character. Yeah, actor. yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, I, I I love his voice so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just referencing him from Emperor's New Groove. Have you seen Emperor's New Groove? Uh, it's once. As a, that is that's in my home. like that's like top three. At, at, at least top five all-time Disney movies for me. Yeah, I had to be caught up with the the phrases, catchphrases in in a sister relationship because uh, mm. they kept saying "no touchy, no touch," and yep. that's all. I, that's it. That's the one. Emperor's New Groove equals that. That's it. That's the only people are in it. I know that, but I don't know what it's about. It's really lovely. <laughs> we should go back and watch. I think I may have watched that movie more times than any other movie I've ever seen. That's po- that is possible because I used to just watch it on in the background. Oh, that was one of my background movies. I do and that I, with the show weeds. Mm, it's so, it's so ahead of its time. Like it's got very internet-y sense of humor, but yeah. the internet was fairly young when that was coming out. And the, the, it, it set the frame like there's an argument to be made that the internet sense of humor came from the Emperor's New Groove and not the other oh. way. <laughs> um, anyway, it's it's a it's lovely. I lo- I really enjoy that movie. It was meta before meta was cool. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, oh, hey, so uh, we're doing well, a show. <laughs> hey, this is happening. Voices are coming out of her face because we're talking wanna, with them. Do you want to start? Oh my gosh! I'll do it. I'll do it. You've been doing it a lot lately. Okay. Have I? I'm not sure that's true. I think it is. Last couple times, I'm pretty sure it was you. All right. <laughs> we can argue about it. I'll I just made this you. face. And then you started talking. Oh, last time? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, you, do you want to do it? My memory's fuzzy. Uh, <laughs> hello, everyone. Or just you. Hi there, you. And welcome to the Enlightened Couch Potato Show. I'm Adrienne Gunn, and I'm here with my friend. Nicholas Raven, yes, it's my real name. Yes. Also, <laughs> this is my real hair. Just in case you can hear it in the audio version of the podcast. Just listen for a second. It's pretty noisy hair right? as far as hair goes. <laughs> yeah. What is it? What sound does that does your hair make according to you? Uh, I think most people, even if they haven't read Ramona. I uh, would say that my hair makes a boing noise. I was going to say sproing. Sproing. Yeah, I think I so. I don't know. 
It's pretty. It's this. It's the silent spring sound. It's oh my the god! Silent spring. I think this is the last Wednesday of this year of 2020. Yeah, which has it's, a little bit of significance for people, don't you think? It's the last week of the last uh, 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 of the decade known as 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, we have aged so much this year, a lot of us. Not necessarily like wine or cheese, perhaps <laughs> like mold. I, I you know, I, I've been I've been harping on this a little bit lately. Yeah. That yeah. like I, I'm fine with the fun, like, oh, 2020 is the worst year ever. Um, and I, I also and I do know that a lot of people have suffered immensely and much more than either of us have in yeah. lots of ways. And I will also say, as far as global things, like we lived through two world wars in a series of like 35-ish years or less, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, like Morgan earlier today was saying like, there's no going back to what it was before this. There is going to be no like return. Things are going to be different, but how different was the world after world war two? How much everybody started fucking and they built suburbs and then uh, did a lot of like uh, a lot, a lot of, a lot of different happened. A lot of of things changed. The fucking 60s happened. But before that, there was all of that investment in infrastructure. Yeah. That, well, that investment in infrastructure and all of the social programs pretty much created what we think of as the American dream. But since the 80s, we've been robbing all of that stuff. Yeah. yeah. But my point is, what why is it that people don't see that that's happening right now, too, but Mm -hmm. to a lesser extent, because this is not as big a deal as a world war? Thankfully, like I'm happy for that. This is a big deal. Yes, it's affecting Mm -hmm. a lot of people. But in some way, it's almost I think it's it's it is having a lot of positive effects. I almost see this as kind of like a forest fire. Uh-huh. You know, like when the when the forest fire ravages the forest, and then it actually creates opportunity for all kinds of new life. And again, this is not to diminish the people who have actually died and the people who are suffering. And I, I, I again, I, I just, I can't, I don't buy into this doom and gloom shit. And maybe sure. that's me living a life with rose-colored glasses on, but I prefer rose-colored ones to shit-colored ones. Sure, sure. And I wasn't saying things were covered in shit. I just have this lived experience of having multiple weird ass health challenges that would last Mm -hmm. six plus months and longer. This is the first time that something really stressful and challenging has been happening to not just me in my life, which is an interesting thing for more, you know, and, and when I, when I had my different, health challenges i would bump into other people who were also having the very same or similar health challenge and that's kind of fun you're like a secret club of people with like a balance condition for six straight months or like some like throwing up for several months in a row but they don't have cancer there are those of us we like generally i look back and all those strange ass health things yeah uh the mono that wasn't mono and i don't know there's just a handful Yay. Uh, this is the first time that any particular challenge has been shared with everyone I talk to. 
to, to tie it back into movies, since that is the name of the fucking show. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, to tie it back into movies, this is w- like the the challenging point in the story for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. This is like, you know, if you imagine the season of a TV show with like a central overarching plot line, well, there's going to be a dark point in that overarching plot line, the challenging part where people have to um, uh, go through something to come out the other side. And sure. I think that's, uh, that's what this is on a global level. And I yeah. am honestly excited to see what what is going to happen and it could be awful (laughs) yeah it it could be that this is gonna you know be the the first in a long line of dominoes leading to the destruction of the planet and the species (laughs) but i don't think so i don't think so i think we're going to have struggles and difficult times and we're going to recover from it stronger than we were before perhaps i have noticed that i have made this weird choice. It's not weird. So in the last four months, I've made this interesting choice of uh, don't have a whole lot of massive. I do have actually massive projects that I'm working on at this point, but like a few months back, I was like, I don't have anything specific that I have to get done and could die. Don't know. Gonna eat this burger. Also this cookie. Yes, fries. Absolutely fries, please. And today I have uh, the I absolutely ate the burger with the cheese and the wheat and the fries. No cookie. I have like this headache that I get from that. Mm. And I was just before we getting on here, I was just like, yeah, I suppose I could gift myself less inflammation and pain in this next year because while I'm capable of humaning from this place, it would be neat to not have a fraction of, I could maybe vomit in my experience, you know, that hung over, hung over from, from food sensitivity. Like, Like I've had a bunch of those and I'm like, Oh yeah, this actually used to be my normal a bunch Mm. of years ago. Mm -hmm. Because I just ate whatever and didn't know what worked for my body and whatnot. And I was just like, hey, it could be interesting to eat differently Mm. so that I have more clarity and usefulness in myself, even if I could die. (laughs) Even if I could be a person who's died of feeling pretty fucking good first and then died. So I was... um... (laughs) I was thinking about a phrase in the shower. You've probably heard this before, but I was thinking about like how, how deep you can dive into this idea. Mm-hmm. The, the phrase is nothing tastes as good as being healthy feels. Sure. And I've been, I've been thinking about that and going like, what if most people, when they hear that phrase, don't believe it because they've never actually felt. No being healthy and it and the idea is it's like no 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 i'm telling you there is something better than as much as you love how that tastes yeah and and i know you love it and it feels amazing and it it does taste amazing right mm-hmm. i'm telling you there's something that actually feels so much better that when you get there you won't miss it truth 
for a lot of my life, there are a lot of people who've never, first of all, they think things like heartburn and uh, like stuffed noses and such. That's, that's just normal. That's how headaches. I- when I was a kid, like headaches were like almost daily for yep. me. Yep. And I didn't realize that it was because I was <laughs> drinking soda and eating sugar. And like I used to eat a double quarter pounder with cheese from McDonald's with a supersized drink and fries. Right. And sometimes this still, I don't know what this is. I've <laughs> never heard anybody explain this. Yeah. When I would eat it, first of all, I would feel like I was dying. Like I would feel like I'm having a heart attack while I'm eating it. And I'm like a teenager at this point. Right. But for some reason, my fucking left wrist sweats profusely right here not all the way around right here that's fair in a strip right here and i mean like drips sweat it's the weirdest thing (laughs) i've i've never i've talked to doctors about this yeah no everybody's just like uh, can I send you to a psychiatrist? Because I think you may be crazy. But it's like when I eat stupid, unhealthy food, for some reason, my body sweats right here. Just from the left arm. Just the left wrist. wrist. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, so headaches. That. Yeah, yeah. You were saying like. I was like, I used to wake up really fucking groggy. I wouldn't be able to be a human until like 11. This is back when you had to be in school at like eight or whatever. Mm. And I would be so full of phlegm that I was spitting loogies from, I don't know, five years old to 23 or four. Yeah. Because I just thought, and it took like three to six hours for my head to clear enough for me to breathe fully. And I just thought that's what life was like and had headaches. And then I started eating differently. And then I'm like, wait a second. I don't have any respiratory. Like I don't have any nasal passage blah 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 i was like what apparently that's not normal or also uh heartburn constantly yeah apparently that's also not normal the weird one the one of the weirdest ones for me was um have we talked about something called viscera somatic inhibition before (laughs) i don't think so okay so it's this weird medical phenomena that um okay i'll I'll try to keep this brief because we're obviously off on a tangent here (laughs) um uh, so you know how like one of the signs of a heart attack is that your arm goes numb, but only one of them. It's like, I think it's your left arm, but I can't remember. Often and usually with men. Yeah. Okay. So do you know why that happens? So a- as I understand it, there is a circuit that um, is connected by a nerve mm-hmm. and it, it travels through your heart and into your left arm, but not your right one. And it's connected to the vagus nerve, but it's a circuit off the vagus nerve that is literally a loop. Mm. And it, it, it connects both organs and tissues together. Okay. And viscerosomatic inhibition is this phenomenon that if you fuck up the organ, the tissue connected to that nerve uh, circuit will start acting incorrectly and vice versa. In other words, if you damage the tissue, it will fuck up the organs as well. So this is one of the explanations for why digestive problems can be one of the root causes of back pain. Mm. So chronic muscle pain or like tension can be related to an inflammation in your gut or uh, in other places too, that it's a circuit. 
And so if you screw up one part of it, it can actually, and so people try stretching and they try chiropractic and they do all these things to try to deal with their back, but it never occurs to them that they might actually have to clean up their diet to get their back pain to go away. That's fair. Um, Yeah. This is one that I have found is true for myself. If I eat really crappy food, my back starts getting bad again. Um, And when I start cleaning up my diet, I'm like, oh, like it, it isn't all about planks and um and <laughs> uh and sit-ups and back arches it's also about the inside as yeah. well as the uh exercises i get it i brought this stuff up because these are the sorts of things i tend not to be the kind of person who thinks heavily about what i want next year to be because i don't really feel next year starts on the first of january i feel that the start of the year is february first <laughs> energetically february for a very long time energetically i feel new beginning energy happening in february whereas i i feel wintering sticking around lingering into january and so i've been thinking of like hey nah food could be different i could feel better and then also i have done some interesting kinds of healing uh one of one of the things that came into my pathway in the last week was not a movie or TV show, although I've watched a lot. I was, I was so in my Grey's Anatomy deep dive, there was an episode where I was just sobbing as this song came on. I was like, what is this song? And so I looked it up. I actually have a playlist now of like songs that are rad in TV shows and movies. It's, it's in my Amazon music. So I look at it and it's song eight on Atlas Enneagram. And I remember that there was an entrepreneur who shared maybe a year ago or so about listening to this Enneagram project, this album where this artist, I think it's Sleeping at Last. And I don't remember the gentleman's name who does that project, Sleeping at Last. I think you would actually think this project is insanely cool because- So what's the overlap between- Oh, sorry, go ahead. so, So I'm sobbing at this song and it's beautiful. Yeah, And I just somewhere in the bathroom, for some reason, I, I like click on that song because I'd saved it in Amazon Music. And I was like, wait, I wonder what this album is like. And I started playing it. And it is each song is related to every Enneagram type. So one through nine is related to all thinking. the Enneagram types. Interesting. And so I was dating someone who mentioned four different times Enneagram, blah, 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 Enneagram, blah, 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 blah. And at, at time four, I was like, it seems as though this is important to you that I know my numbers. So I went and did the test. It's like 40 minutes if you do the like the real one from from the Enneagram like website. And I got this reading and then I signed up for the like daily messages. And every time I would read the number that I theoretically am, I would feel like like, who are these asshole eight people that these daily posts keep talking about? God, they sound horrible. I'm, this is supposed to be about me. What? Uh, and then <laughs> and I kept getting like grumpy at it. And I was like on the list for, I think it was like, I even wrote to them. It's like, ah, even if these eight people are this awful, couldn't it be interesting to send those people like uplifting stories? Cause every mm. time it's just like, do something different than your personality. Like, don't be in control of stuff. Maybe think of something different today. Like, stop being an ass to everyone. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, so 
So there's like, there's in Enneagram world, there's different, you know, you've got your main personality, then you have a wing that's a combo of, a, of either the number next to yours. And then there's when you're in growth, you have qualities of a different number. And when you're in stress, you have a qualities of another number. So I'm like eight, seven, two in growth and five in like stress was the test, right? So I'm listening to this album and each one of those songs stands out to me. And every time I get to eight, I start just bawling my fucking face off because it's gorgeous and I can relate. And also I feel like I'm like clearing some stuff. Also with the seven wing, I actually do relate more to seven as I've been indulging in like health and healing and that sort of thing. And it, it sounds like upbeat me that song. I'm like, yeah, adventure, go world. But I had shared this album on Facebook and with a bunch of people and nearly everyone I shared with was like, oh my God, this is such a great album. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're saying that to different songs that I don't relate to. So I think everybody needs to go figure out their Enneagram number or just listen to this album and then let that be the test. Yeah. Where do you cry? <laughs> I might try that. I don't know anything hardly about Enneagrams. Like it's one yeah. of those, I mean, it's not a blank spot. I mean, I've not gone out of my way to learn it. Just like I've never done Reiki either. It's sure. not that I don't think it has value. I just, I know like half a dozen other personality testing systems and I'm certified in several of them. It's just Enneagrams has not been one I've ever felt called to but i know a lot of people who have gotten a lot of value from it but i like the idea of just listening to the album being like which one and then like seeing if that lines up so this project i think you would geek out of this so this artist sleeping at last started this atlas project and there's atlas one two and three atlas one is 30 songs inspired by the origins of the universe exploring the themes of darkness light space land and oceans atlas two 25 songs inspired by involuntary human development, exploring the themes of life, senses, emotions, intelligence, and the Enneagram. And in the future, he's doing Atlas Three, songs inspired by voluntary human development. What we do with all that we're given. Like wow. exploring the cosmos. This artist also has some astrology songs and tunes that I have not listened to. Wow. But like, think of that as a it's sort of an epic musical project yeah and he has a podcast called sleeping at last where he actually talks about how he goes about making all these i haven't listened to that yet because i just kind of want to stay in the world of letting this album do things to me uh before i listen yeah behind yeah yeah yeah. it's it's sometimes dangerous to put too much this is applicable to movies too that when you find out what the director or writer meant yeah then it, it makes it harder not impossible, but harder to find your own meaning if it doesn't match up, which is why many artists are will refuse to discuss the meaning and symbolism. Um, it's why a lot of the more esoteric movies out there don't have um, a lot of commentary from the people who made it because they want yeah. to leave it open-ended. They learned that the art travels further and goes deeper if you let it be open to interpretation. And I've done that same thing too, where I'm like, I don't want to know, at least not yet. I don't want to know. I need to form my own opinion about this before I get influenced. Yeah. And to, to take this into sort of a segue for our last assignment 
so I straight up didn't watch Die Hard, but I did watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Me and too. I thought it was interesting to have this experience with a song that's based on my personality profile in the same week that I had gone back to, and, and the eight personality profile has a lot to do with, in Enneagram world, has a lot to do with being a child who'd had trauma and had to grow up too fast. There's mm. a lot of that specific theme in that personality profile. And when I saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, I think it was just out. Uh, it was 2007. And I had just returned to Portland after having, I'm going to do uh, air quotes adventure and then under quotes, which is sexual uh, innuendo quotes, uh, adventure in Vegas, which may or may have not have led to a breakdown, mental breakdown. <laughs> but so I, I return to, to embark in health and return to get a degree and a bunch of different, like a big adventure, big adventure, big mm-hmm. changing point. Uh, for astrology folks, they're like, Saturn return. And yeah. I return to Portland, where I grew up. And so this movie comes on. And I remember so viscerally going, holy fuck, that's me. This is my movie. And then three or four weeks later, I'm in an acting class. And there's these two younger dudes. And they're like, have Oh my god! Have you seen Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? I'm like, yeah, I love that movie. He's like, you totally remind us of Robert Downey Jr. in that movie, and I'm like, ah, I feel so seen because like I emulated characters before from other movies on purpose, but here I was just living a life, and I I like hear myself, my cadence, and I gotta say, watch the movie. And I super don't relate anymore. Anymore? <laughs> no, that's yeah. not me any longer. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. That's my first reflection of that movie. You watched it too? Yes, I've seen it before, but I watched it with uh, my girlfriend who had never seen it. And she really enjoyed it. Nice. So, uh, rapid fire. Um, it, uh, I still really enjoy it, and I'm much more aware of how much of a product of its time that it is. Like, it uh-huh. feels post um, Pulp Fiction and not as smart as Pulp Fiction. Um, but I, I still love it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it feels a little dated with with a lot of the like meta narrator references and things like this. But like, um, okay, so I'm gonna interrupt you on first the. The synopsis is a thief like accidentally happens upon a a screening in Hollywood and he's flown out to do a screening and he's uh, slammed together with this uh, what private detective. detective. And so he's, he's trying to learn how to be a private detective. And Val Kilmer plays the private private detective who goes by the name or everyone calls him gay Perry. Right. Um, So that's sort of synopsis. If you haven't seen it, killer in the movie. Um, yeah, it's very clever, and sometimes I feel like it's like clever. F- it's just gonna sound like I don't like the movie. It feels like it's clever for dumb people. Like it's it's like like this is very clever um, for me when I was younger, um, and I was like, oh, this movie's so smart, and now I'm like, eh. eh. I think it's the first though. No, it could I think be it's the like first it was trailblazing. That, yeah, so that a lot of like you know we've got Thor Ragnarok and a bunch of yeah, other things yeah. that are very similar. 
yes. that have happened since. But it was one of these first pushing the edges of the genre yeah. and narrative. Well, and it's, I, again, I'm saying I freaking love the movie. I think yeah. Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer's chemistry, it, I would watch – I would watch that forever. If that's the yeah. only thing I could watch for the rest of my life, I would be fine with that. The two of them are <laughs> so good. And Robert Downey Jr. as kind of a fuck up is fun too. Yeah. And Val Kilmer as this perfect like human being. Like um, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm kind of just all over the place here. I'm not talking about good and then bad. Right. Um, one of the things that I notice again, and this is, Somebody was talking about, um, I think it was South Park. South Park had this bit where one of the adults is sitting there changing the channel. Um, and he goes like, or maybe he's like browsing through Netflix or whatever. And he's like, um, <laughs> stupid, dumb, racist, good, but uh, doesn't live up to current gender norms. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like <laughs> going through. And I've noticed that the way that I filter things we watched mixed nuts and mm -hmm. there was a, a trans uh, person in this. And I know, and I was pointing out that it's weird that the, the joke is who trans people exist. And um, this definitely had a lot of punchlines that were just gay people exist or yeah. that person might think that I'm gay. Oh no. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's very interesting to see that that's not funny anymore yeah um it doesn't it doesn't land in, in the way they used to and that's that's how humor evolves that there were there was a time when racist jokes were really funny i yeah. mean like not like 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 intelligent pl playing with race as a theme jokes i mean literally racist jokes yeah and there were i don't know that, that i can that watch funny. blazing saddles now because I'm like, oh, is that going to be painful? Will that hold I, up? Do we like? I don't know. It? I I I, I want to go back and see that again because I, I, my feeling on that one is everybody knew what they were doing and yeah. they, that they were doing that on purpose, and that kind of makes it different. Like that makes oh, yeah. the joke. This is funny because it's horrible, and we know that. Um, but that's not the joke in in movies like um, I mentioned Dodgeball. As oh, an right, example, right. where the whole joke is um, uh, what you're doing makes it seem like you're gay, <laughs> uh, which, which is, is not a joke. I just just for the sake of just bring it down to the, what I really think about this thing. I'm still very confused, given that theoretically men are theoretically in charge of the world for a long while. The, like, OK, the prostate being tickled super good dixon stuff super where are good. you going why would anybody not want to have a dick in their butt if they have a prostate there it's just who was making this rule to not put penises inside of dudes and i get that sometimes the theory is that like oh no now we're going to be treated like women and we treat women awful and still i've heard this rumor that putting penises and stuff See, it's like enjoyable and anywho, I just, it's still, I get it. Apparently homophobia is a standard. 
like apparently homophobia is the standard and we're moving away from that but it still seems really confusing to me that all these people in charge of the rules of how life go for super long time you know like since the greeks are like no don't put the penis in there stop it it's like who who which dudes would let that happen do you want to have a serious response or a funny response <laughs> i don't know um, I mean, so uh, I'll go with serious then. Honestly, my theory is um, that there's a flaw in your reasoning there. And you said putting things in your butt, <laughs> dicks in your butt is pleasurable. And my argument is it can be pleasurable if you're willing to work through the incredibly triggering fear that is trapped in those tissues First. Well, yeah, and but that happened at some point. With some people? Well, like, you know, like, you're Greeks, yeah. you know, like, yeah. samurai. There are cultures of man-humans that are all like, yeah, get it in there. And so whenever that stopped being fun to do, I wasn't there, at least not in this life, maybe a different, different life that I may or may not be connected to. I just, I'm just curious, like, who's just like, let's stop doing that. Well, but like, I, I'm saying, I, Plus, I think it, yeah. it, it's deep fears. Like it's because it's powerful. Mm -hmm. Like it's actually powerful to go through that experience. It changes you as a person. Mm. And it's because people don't want that. There's a voice that's like, no, no, that's the last thing that I want. It's, it's, it's simultaneously, I think of it as there's, there's literally fear trapped in those tissues. That's sure. number one. And number two, it is, mm, it is inherently submissive. Um, okay. It brings up yin in a person um, to be penetrated. And, sure. um, and in that space, um, most guys are utterly and completely terrified of the yin space, that especially in a sexual context. And even in that space of like a 2000, 1500, whatever years ago, penises were used as warfare because yeah. you were like you were like raping, pillaging taking over and that was like and you just so yeah. it's not different from a sword back in those times eh, yeah yeah what was the funny answer <laughs> um <laughs> i don't remember now <laughs> i mean i get that you can control people by controlling their sex and stuff that and that makes sense when you like have to you have to be in charge of more than just a small group of people and you're like lands that are across other lands. You got to come up with a really, really good doctrine yeah. and, and a really big military. And it's got to include them not feeling powerful enough to overrule you. It, there's ways that that just sort of makes sense. But uh... I think it's more personal. I think it's more, I think it's about the act itself. I think that there are, there are things about the act itself that are reprehensible to the toxic masculine hyper yang um and and a an, an enlightened person is not yin or yang they're both sure and um we live in a culture where one is put on a pedestal and the other one is um barely even talked about as a as a virtue yeah um and well, i yeah. I, re yeah I mean just think about like if there's so much fear in those tissues um you can't just say like putting a, uh, something in there is going to feel good. No, it's not. 
You need someone who's going to be slow, who's going to be caring, who's going to be gentle, who you feel like you can be vulnerable and open with. There's shame in there. There's all of this stuff. And if you, and, and that is counter to toxic masculinity. Like I'm not vulnerable. I don't have emotions. I am invincible and I do things (laughs) to you. You don't do things to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I think the act itself is the reason why people avoid it. And yeah, there's cultural stuff too. You're going to have your man card revoked um, or whatever. Yeah. I think the cultures that were super okay with it probably weren't all that warring uh, and they were just killed. (laughs) Yeah, you have a point. (laughs) They were just like, hey, (laughs) (laughs) we're from somewhere cold with not enough stuff. We want your stuff. It's like, oh, we have so much stuff to share with each other. Everybody's part of it. You know, <laughs> do, do you want me to touch your butt? <laughs> 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 oh, and uh, there okay, can I, can I change the subject completely? Because <laughs> yeah. I yeah. had another tangent. We haven't even started about. Mo- oh, no, we were talking about. Um, kiss, kiss, never, mind, never mind. Never mind. Never yeah. mind. Let's keep talking about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So, um, yeah, Val Kilmer is amazing in that performance. Um, He's he's one of my he's probably it's probably my favorite Val Kilmer performance. And and I would put it up there with like Doc Holliday and Tombstone. And um, I mean, Val Kilmer is ugh, I love that man. Um, So what else did I like about the movie? Um, It's 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 one of those like unbelievable coincidence kind of movies (laughs) where you don't mind. Yeah. Where you're just like, yeah, okay, sure, fine. He catches the gun while he's hanging onto an arm of a dead body over the freeway and he can't see it. And then he catches it and is able to shoot. But what? It's fine. Shut up. One of my favorite (laughs) shooting scenes, which seems really realistic, is the first time that he's shooting a gun and killing somebody. He's not really looking. He's just sort of like, yeah, peeks and then he goes and he peeks and he goes and he's shooting. That seems like the most real. I mean, that just that's Robert Downey Jr. I think being a freaking genius, like he's so good at being in the character. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many moments like the the moment when he's uh, under the bed and the girl falls down and she's who who are you? And um, the finger, the fucking (laughs) that that's so they don't hint at it at all. Oh, I love how there, there's a scene in the movie when a character loses a finger and it's so funny the way they do it. And it's that's kind of a weird thing to say. <laughs> but um yeah, yeah, oh, Lord. Um I enjoyed the crap out of it again and um introduced somebody new to it. I think and what gay, I li- gay jokes aside, I think yeah. the movie still holds up. I think what I related to now that I'm thinking about like because I like I don't remember why I related, but now I have an like I think the way in which Robert Downey's character is just not particularly surprised by the shitstorm, uh, things just suddenly arriving and like oh, yep okay great fuck's sake next next thing yeah. like plot twist and going with it and just like this is what life is like everything's crazy and shit happens. I'm in it again. And then you're sort of like stepping around the the plops of goo and, and horror. And then, was, you know, why would life be different than that? Mm-hmm. You know, 
<clears throat> the kind of meta narrative that it has going on with the like the Johnny Gossamer books and then yeah. the, the plot line following it and then not following it at the yeah. very end in certain ways. Um, it kind of reminded me. This is a stretch. Kind of <laughs> reminded me of a movie called Adaptation. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By by Charlie Kaufman with um Nick Cage. And yeah, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Um I really enjoyed that movie. And I mean, so the 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 point in the movie when it turns where the story is about a writer who's stuck on something, mm-hmm. um, but he's writing the movie you're watching. <laughs> and then at some point he gets some advice about Basically, like, it doesn't have to be realistic. Just do what the story wants it to do. And then all of a sudden, the story just goes, what? <laughs> and starts becoming, like, all these, like, random crazy things happening. And and it's, like, you have this experience of, like, shifting in and out of the, of the, the writer perspective. Mm-hmm. And then in the movie. And then out of the movie. And in the movie. And I felt like there was a little bit of that in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a trippy kind of thing. And I, I think it's genius. It's it, That's one of the things that makes the movie unique and special is it's got this, it's got layers. <laughs> I really dig playing around with the, the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things. And it's one of the things that could be, I think you have to be really careful with it. This is one of the reasons why Fleabag has been hard for me to jump into because they're do- the, the breaking the fourth wall, the way in which they do it is not particularly, hmm, I don't know. It's jarring. And I think they shift it in their second season, which I, I don't know if I'll ever make it to it, but there've <laughs> been, there've been other, other things where I love the breaking of the fourth wall and pulling you in and out of the narrating. Uh, yeah. So I just looked it up just yeah. to be clear. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Emperor's New Groove came out in 2000. Kiss okay. Kiss Bang, Bang Bang came out in 2005. If okay. you like meta shit, you got to watch Emperor's New Groove because I think it started it. And then Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was like a live action uh, like um, continuation or evolution of some of those things. Sure. I mean, you could also go back and say that Saved by the Bell did some of this too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mean... <laughs> Started it. I mean, like <laughs> there was a. There seems to have been a new wave of of meta, sure. um, breaking the fourth wall, that kind of stuff. That um, I mean, Aladdin. Uh, Aladdin had Robin Williams making references that didn't make any sense, right. and and you're just like, yep, fine, <laughs> totally, <laughs> I'll go with it. I mean, but that was just Robin Williams being a genius. That wasn't even written. That's fair. Um, Okay, I might go back and watch Emperor's New Groove. I it takes a lot for me to want to watch uh, cartoony things, which and mm. we have. Speaking I, of two two other movies, maybe okay. I don't know if we're talking well, about Wonder Woman. We got forty two minutes. We're forty two minutes in right now. Yeah. So let's start it, and we'll see how far we can get. So okay. we both watched Soul, yes. the Pixar movie. I watched it first, I think, and then I told you to watch it. Yeah. Um and um. Yeah, I'll I'll let you go first. Um, yeah, I talked about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang for a long time. So here's the thing about Soul. It is so right now. I don't know when people are gonna like when people actually rewatch this or listen to this. It will no, not be so right now. 
movie. Somebody asked me, what's the movie about? And then I recognized that I generally will start thematically. And I, when I describe what a movie is about, and I was like, I cannot describe thematically what this is about because then I'm going to ruin the movie. Yeah. So what I did instead, I think I said a high, uh, middle school band instructor slash piano jazz pianist gets his big break, but life and death get in the way. Mm, good. That was my synopsis. So That's that a good so synopsis. Sweet. <laughs> it's a way to be like, oh, that's intriguing. Yeah. And yet then it becomes about other stuff. So if we talk about this, essentially there's high levels. There's just much, 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 much spoilering. So don't about to happen. watch past this point if you haven't seen it. All right. So spoilers now, like to go watch it. It's fabulous. Mm-hmm. And don't use the like what let's let's do a tiny spoiler free. It's amazing, right? I yes. I would I would argue it is the most grown-up Pixar movie ever. Mm-hmm. And that's putting it up against movies like Up or Inside Out um, yeah. or Coco. Um, it is it may be the most ambitious philosophically yep. of any movie that they've tried to do. And um, it, 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 I will say one caveat is it's actually I don't think it's actually super great for little kids. Um, sure. Not that they can't enjoy the silly cat that's going around the screen, but we had a nine year old who was watching. And <clears throat> when we were done, he said, you guys were all laughing and crying all the time. And I don't get it at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, this the, is. Ele- oh. This is literally a life affirming movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that oh. is what it's about. Well put. Well put. Right? Okay, so spoilers moving forward. It's amazing go watch it. Spoilers. Yeah. So I did cry quite a bit and I did access the part of me that's able to appreciate jazz. <laughs> oh i i didn't realize jazz was not like a like well, a, a, on, one of your loves on the upside if you would be disinclined to watch this because jazz music they are at least doing and utilizing the most palatable yeah jazz yeah it's got like a tonal like nine mm-hmm. eight time signature <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, there was a there was a funny moment where I actually had to tell myself to come back and like, no, 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 no. I know you're a musician and we know that what just happened is not appropriate, but we need you to just be in this movie because yeah. it's this person's story. Like, right. There's there's some fun stuff where they're talking about these moments of being in the zone and how you get there in music. And that ends up being a really important theme for the yeah. movie, but really early on, this guy is at his audition, and he's he's playing playing the piano, he's like and and there's a famous saxophonist that he is playing backup for. He is in the quartet, and then suddenly he's in his own world doing his own little piano magic. And my God, if that person had shown up to my audition, my fucking name is on the marquee. Yeah. And I'm going to hand that person money and they're just going to fucking masturbate <laughs> for however long in the middle of the song uninvited. I would have kicked that motherfucker out. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> definitely a point 
to be made that like martial arts movies are not made for martial artists. Gymnast movies are not made for gymnasts and music movies are not made for musicians. They are made glossing over stuff that if you're actually a musician, you're like, what the fuck? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Although I will say I do appreciate little touches like the fact that his fingers were actually playing everything that he was doing like that level of effort yeah is insane to to take the time to model a real human playing all this especially improvisational shit like you can't even like time it up with the music like they're making it up so you have to watch their performance um which i'm I'm assuming it wasn't jamie fox doing the piano (laughs) well it could have been because he can um, well, is he, is, I mean, I know he can play. He's a, he's a accomplished musician, but I, yeah. I don't know if he's like a jazz improvisational jazz pianist, which is a very specific. Sure. Set. I, I don't know. Might yeah, have to go either. Google, Google or look that up. Yeah. So, so like I, uh, I also, so there are some interesting things that I've come across having, having now watched it that are, that are on the like throwing, throwing not shade shade, but just like bringing more consciousness to some choices there. And I think one hilarious thing that they even do in the movie is Tina Fey is another one of these characters playing a soul who chooses a middle-aged white lady voice because it's the most irritating. (laughs) Uh, Which I was like, hmm, hmm, that is an interesting choice that they've made. Groovy. I don't know if we're going to talk about the stuff that's that's challenging about the film that Pixar and Disney should maybe begin to pay attention to. But I definitely found myself crying quite a lot about the magic in life tending to be these simpler, smaller moments and what it is to lead an accomplished life and changing and reframing that. Mm. And like the, the, the whole, the theme about the struggle to find your purpose and misunderstanding what that means of finding your spark yeah. is yeah. beautiful. And I think it may, on some level, this movie could save a fuck ton of people just <clears throat> giving a new perspective of what it means to be here in the world. When we finished watching it, Liz and Faye both looked uh, one of the first things they said is they looked over at me and they were like, this is like exactly what you've been saying about purpose. And they just put it in a movie like yes. like almost word for word. This idea that your purpose is not a job. Mm-mm. It's a feeling and it's a feeling that you can learn to tap into all the time. And you can let it guide you through life, but it's not you're doing your purpose when you're playing jazz. Your purpose is this feeling called bliss. Joseph Campbell called it bliss in this. They call it spark. Yeah. Um, And it was I mean, the visual storytelling in the the part when he goes home after the audition and and then it starts going back through his life and he sees the like the little um, I don't know what they're called, the little spinny thing from the tree that falls to the ground. Oh, yeah, I love those. And just the, all of this deep, deep philosophical and spiritual concepts that are never spoken. They mm-hmm. don't 
beat you over the head with it. They're like, you're either going to get it or you're not, but we're Pixar. So you're probably going to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you love the way that they, that they described lost souls? I may, this may be a slight misquote, but the lost souls in this are the people who have become distant, disconnected from the act of living mm. or something like that. Do well, you remember? I know. I, I don't remember the exact wording, um, but I know that that particular representation of the lost soul really hit Faye hard because she was like the, the it's an archetype the representing a feeling or a, a state you mm-hmm. can get into. And she mm-hmm. was like, holy shit, I've been there. Like, I know that place. And yeah. that that to me is that's where art um, becomes a tool for communication that is metaphor that is bigger than any number of words. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't do it except in this exact context of the story and the way they look and the way they move and the way they would say stuff. Um, it resonates with something where you're like, I don't know why that looks familiar. I don't know why it makes me feel this way, but it does. And it's um, no less pulled. So that world that they have, the people in the zone and the people who are lost are in this same strata, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But in different states, they are all disconnected and away mm. from their bodies mm. in a very specific way. I don't, it's, it's cool that they gave that a world to be in. Yeah. And I, I mean, not that I need to counter the good stuff that I will say about this movie. And there is, there's a lot that I can pick apart philosophically in a, in a oh, similar yeah. way to like star Wars. Like I like the concept of the force. And I think that George, Lucas is not a philosopher. And when he says things like fear and hate are the enemy, that is a dangerous idea Mm -hmm. to think that fear and hate are your enemy and anger that these things are bad and you should be afraid of them. That is actually damaging. And it was to me because I watched star Wars as a user's manual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I studied it like a spiritual text. So I think that there are, there are elements of this movie where I could nitpick some of the philosophy and be like, well, that's not how I would represent this. But yeah. that's because in my view, we're talking about a real place that I've been to. Like I know where this is. I, there's so many elements of that that I'm like, oh my God, that's real what they're talking about. So of course they're going to have a slightly different perspective on it. And of sure. course they have to like put it in a movie. Yeah, um, I do think the thing that that most challenged me, and then I'm like, just go with the movie, just go with their philosophy. The first thing was that personality was intact. Was, yes, yes, yes. And then, I and did then not there's like that. this <laughs> one open space for Spark, and I was like, well, let's yeah. say, let's say there are eight spaces and four of them are filled one that's unfilled is for spark and then the other three will be the personality that you craft once right. you're here like i'm right. like ah, 
Yeah. Yeah. I had that exact reaction when they, when they were like, Oh, you're going to be self-obsessed. And I'm like, excuse me. Like that's just an inborn personality trait before I'm even it. Oh, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that, I was fine with it. <laughs> some of that, like I, I pay attention to parent people telling me how their children's often children's yeah. often come with yeah. certain aspects of their personality already. And I'm like, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Some of that's great. But then there's like, Shit that happens because trauma. Shit that happens because usefulness. And you're like, oh, I want to have love and attention in this particular way. I'm going to stitch this into my personality and add some shit. Because we like craft our own world from, I don't know, 5 to 14 and beyond, yeah. you know. I really loved the, I, I interpreted the um, the Terry's and Jerry's as being the uh the left and right brain respectively the oh. the terry's were the um was the accountant yeah and i my one of my favorite moments was when jerry's like here is this award that you asked us to give you good job and terry's like yes i deserve this <laughs> like that's so left brain like yeah. the rational mind to me is he's like yes I deserve this. I decided that I deserve it. And it's like, and the right brain's like, okay. Yeah. I did not go so far as giving them. I, I was like, cool, cool. Two of these characters are New Zealand. Uh, yeah. Kiwi accents and right on. So I, they I think shall humans be. have just started like Americans worldwide, I guess, but Americans have started to become anchored to funny it comes from New Zealanders, like <laughs> like yeah. with um, uh, Flight of the Concords and what we do in the shadows and yeah. Thor Ragnarok, um, and like the, a lot of those characters are just showing up now. And the comic relief is just they're the like <laughs> because they have that voice. <laughs> <laughs> Fair, yeah. I, I I just now wondered what Xena Warrior Princess might have been like if Lucy had been able to keep her accent. <laughs> I don't know if it would have worked out but i do know that she is in a show that i request that i'm going to go watch soon where she's playing a like a private detective my something murder something something murder hmm. my I think I name is murder i don't know I'm like oh she's gonna have she's gonna have her accent and be kicking ass i'll watch that yeah anyway well speaking of women kicking ass you want to yes. transition from soul it was wonderful and i loved it and yeah. um I, the last thing i'll say on soul is um i need to watch it again because mm -hmm. um i had another experience of a situation where i was watching something that i wanted to be in and i was out a little bit yeah. so we were watching it with the baby around because it's winter break and the baby's here all the time and so are the boys so when I wanted everybody else, and in this case, sometimes other people will take the baby so I can enjoy the movie. But in this case, I was like, it's fine. So I spent a good portion of the movie on a Swiss ball bouncing up and down with the baby sitting on my head playing with my hair. <laughs> and um, it's not the best place to be able to, like, fall into a deep yeah. symbolic trance. <laughs> yeah. Similarly, my cat really loved this movie oh yeah she, she spent like 10 minutes down at the bottom like staring at the tv there's that scene in the subway where this guy's playing music yeah she's like what what and then and then some of the times when the cat was on the screen she like climbs up on the the, the structure the tv is on she's like what is happening in there and it's rare that she'll get so into what's on yeah TV. 
climb tries to climb into the TV. That was adorable. So wow, movie. My cat gives it all of the paws up. Apparently, all right. We yeah, our cats never notice the TV. <laughs> um, okay, so in addition to this. I think we might be able to, I don't know. Is this going to be a long conversation for you? It's not for me. Probably not. No. Okay. So we watched Wonder Woman. That is. Um, you want, you want me to go first? Sure. I thought it was fine. Um, <laughs> I liked the first one better. Um, mm. I thought the ending of the first one was weak, but the rest of it was awesome. Sure. Like yeah. really awesome. And this one, none of it felt awesome to me. Mm -hmm. It all felt, eh. And it's weird for me to say that because I actually really love relentlessly positive and light and uplifting superhero movies. And and I, I, uh, Captain America was my favorite Marvel series because he wasn't brooding. And I'm so fucking tired of everybody being brooding um, as a superhero. Like I want Superman to be the Christopher Reeves Superman and Wonder Woman as this just like bright and saving children. And like, I wanted to like it. Yeah. I didn't hate it. There were a lot of things that I thought were good. Um, I think um, Pedro Pascal is a treasure. And the villain in this was the most interesting part of the story to me. Sure. I mean, rather on the nose, if you will. <laughs> um, but I like that he had a redemption arc. I thought that the the MacGuffin of the story was different, at least a little different than your typical, oh, it's a superhero and he's got a big metal suit and he's stronger than her and she has to fight him. And right. This had like what were there's fucking wishes and like him becoming like that was all I thought kind of interesting at least yeah um I will also say I don't think Gal Gadot is a good actress um I think she's beautiful and she does mm-hmm. the physicality of it and she's charming yeah but when she had to cry um because Chris Pine was gonna go away I was like uh uh uh-uh. <laughs> I don't uh yeah. it didn't it didn't work for me. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because I think for the last movie, several things were going on because they'd been trying to develop a Wonder Woman for, for fucking ever. So yeah. so very long. And many different directors and producers and writers had they been tossing the thing around Hollywood for decades. So to even find a human who could play it. Yeah. It makes sense to find somebody that people don't specifically have an attachment to. So that kind of happened because Gail probably existed somewhere for something, but she She was in um, Fast and the Furious. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with the first movie, first of all, I don't have an attachment to Wonder Woman as a story Mm. uh, because that was a show from the seventies. I was born in 79 and I, there were very, very few female characters growing up that I related to or identified with. And that wonder woman, Linda Carter's wonder woman was very, very, very feminine and not that athletic. Mm. And I was an athlete. So 
I didn't have the attachment that my friends who were 10 years older and a lot of my friends are 10 years older than me had to this character because it didn't show up in my life. Yeah. Uh, so I just didn't want it to suck because I didn't want something awful to happen yeah. for finally giving women a large superhero movie. Yeah. So and it didn't suck. Did that. Yeah. And the second one, we're already way into some spoilers. I don't think it needs synopsizing. It's just Wonder Woman 2. So yeah, really. Yeah, if really. There's a that. new villain and there's a new adventure and, stuff, it, happens. and then stuff happens. And then she ends up exactly where she was before, like all superhero movies. Yes. <laughs> I do know that the creator of Wonder Woman, first of all, he created a dominatrix and uh, like the original comics. There were there were a lot of different sexual themes and feminism themes, like early early fucking feminism, because like from 1930s. Yeah, and it was very intentional. He was intentionally trying to create a subversive comic to brainwash young children into accepting progressive ideas. And the Um, dominance, and uh, he thought women were just better people. And that was part of why he wanted to create that comic. And I know that the truth was an incredibly important aspect of this character. This movie is just laden with the theme of like truth being important and that lasso of truth and that like for people who care about Wonder Woman, that's really important that she's doing that and that she's not like the violence is different. She doesn't kill people. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what saves everybody is the truth, right? Yeah. And that's important. I, when I started watching it, I pretty sure that the first movie, I remember it having moments that were, that was funny, but at some point in the movie, I say to myself or my cat on my couch, Oh, I guess this one's being made for children. I had that same feeling. There were there was so many moments where I'm like, is this for like five year olds or like exactly. seven year olds? Like, who it, made it that really choice? Felt you're you're so. I, I'm glad I'm not the only one who felt. I had that exact thought. Like even in the the mall scene at the beginning, it's especially it was literally there where I'm like, oh, this is for little kids. This is like, for little kids. Yeah, and and Kristen Vig, yeah, her her character was thing. like so over the top, and so this yeah. is a comedy for kids, and yeah. it, we want her in this movie. Who wrote that? Yeah, why is this happening? And so it was very, all of that sort of took me out because I don't, I do recall the first movie having moments of comedy. Yeah. And I just remember it being a, a more stern and fascinating and movie. It had gravitas to it. Yeah. Like this, the no man's land scene is fucking badass. Like for her to be like, I am no man. And for her to just get up and uh, like that scene is like film legend. Like that, mm-hmm. the, the rest of the movie is good. That scene is amazing. Yeah. And this had nothing like that, not even close. And yeah. and I will say the truth stuff was the most interesting part. The fact that the villain was not a uh, a fighter or a warrior or any of this, the fact that he was just like, I mean, Donald Trump. But and then I will say it did make me cry. Yeah. Um, because Pedro Pascal is a badass. Mm-hmm. And when he 
when he realizes and starts calling for his son and then he finds him, um, that relationship actually was moving to me. And yeah. I will I will put that squarely on Pedro Pascal is an amazing actor. Yeah. Um, they also forgot to <clears throat> motivate one of the biggest choices in the film. So there's this opening scene where Diana sort of gets through this way race, but she didn't do it. She didn't do all the steps of it. And so, yeah. She's sort of having a bratty moment because she's little. That felt so clunky too. Like, and are you? <laughs> it's yeah. not fair. So her bratty moment is, "This is not fair. I did all the things." And so then this choice of having to, you know, like having a wish that someone she loves can come back, and not wanting to give him up because it's not fair. Yeah. Except that don't motivate it by showing yeah. us what she's given up. What she like, there's no point at which we see her angst or see her going yeah. through the motions of saving people. There's there's nothing that makes that make sense. There's also I should watch the first movie, but I did they fall in love or did they just fall into bed together because that would be fun? I no, don't there was there was they, they was implied love there no, but implied love that turns into apparently never loving anyone and having the belief that she'll never love yeah. anyone after living thousands of years with amazon like hundreds at least yeah I, I, i'll 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 raise you <laughs> um <clears throat> there's um the moral to this story is what exactly that whatever oh. it is that you wish for you have to let it go no one is going to get what they actually want. Oh, right. Like um, Because it'll ruin the world if everybody got what they wanted. Everybody and it's, it's, suffers. It's very bleak. Like, the idea that if everybody got what they wished for, the world would fall the fuck apart. Apparently. Implies, and, and then the answer is to stop wishing for things. Stop wanting things. You, you, you want things, but you can't have them. You have, to su- you have to suffer, and you have to go without and that's her lesson. And then she's like, everyone, join me and let's just go without together. <laughs> and it's like, what? It's kind of awful. Uh, yeah. For sure. I don't know if the stone... I'm just making this up. That perhaps the stone is imbued with the kind of magic where people wish for their trauma wishes mm-hmm. and not their purpose or spark wishes because okay. and that would make sense for her too that she yeah um i mean they she did say that it was made by like a trickster god yes so uh so there could be like some it, this is an this is an odd tangent have you ever seen a movie called horns no with um with um daniel radcliffe no um it's um I mean, I, I don't want to spoil anything. It's sad. <laughs> it's um, but it's really dark and funny, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of tragic, um, in in its in, in the end. But I I like that kind of movie. But <laughs> um, uh, I'll, I'll spoil it because this is like the premise of the movie is that all of a sudden Daniel Radcliffe starts growing horns, uh-huh. like the devil, okay. and he doesn't know why, and you don't know why at the beginning. Um, but as the horns start growing, 
everyone who's around him can't help but confess their deepest, darkest secrets and desires. That's so funny. it's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's also like it's it's a tough movie, like from a, a tragedy perspective. But it's there's a lot of funny and dark leading up to it. And it, it, it that made me think of that, that if it has like it's not just that you're wishing for things, but it's it's kind of compelling you to wish for something limited. Um, yeah. What yeah. I think is hilarious for me personally is that this this premise, this stone is whenever anybody asks you like what superpower do you want? And people are like, oh, I want invisibility, I want to fly, but in the reverse order, I I actually have that thing, the horns thing, where people will, strangers will sometimes just tell me their deepest desire and what they yeah. really want to be doing with their life. And I will have not even said anything sometimes. Yeah. And they're just like, Psh. and I was like, well, I sort of already have this super superpower. And what happens often is people will tell me what they really want to be doing. And then a couple of weeks later, they're doing it. And I was like, mm. I feel like I might be a genie or something. <laughs> this keeps happening. So I'm watching this movie wherein someone becomes the wishing stone or whatever. And I was like, is that me? <laughs> is someone finally playing this thing that I've always felt I had this weird thing? And when I'm like, what superpower? He's like, I kind of like it. I would like to officially have if people let me know their purest desire that just by telling it to me, it just begins to happen and unfold magically. Yeah. No, but no monkey paw part of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there were a lot of um, there was a lot of just superfluous scenes too mm. like the scene with the invisible jet and the and the fireworks i was like i i get that this is pretty but what the fuck is happening and then when she was flying through the sky like yes. i don't even know if wonder woman can fly but i was like what it is this supposed to reference back to him saying like you're gonna how is she flying like is she what <laughs> is what the resonant fuck is with happening the well, to, I do know that Wonder Woman had an invisible plane. Yes, that I did know. Yes. So, the I think those are what, what are you what are you, the things that they hide the egg eggs that they hide Easter egg? eggs Easter yeah. eggs. So the invisible plane giving her an yeah. invisible plane in a different way is an Easter egg thing. I at that point in the movie, uh, yeah, she's got keys to a plane that he could apparently fly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, that that one too. Like it's as far flying. as like how long ago? World War One. You know those planes were made out of wood. Yes. <laughs> and there was, was like, like a a, one stick. That's it. <laughs> and like he's like, Oh yeah, I got this. I oh, got I know. this. Fuel. Something's fuel. Something's an so engine. Stupid. <laughs> yeah. I but so it already been I'd already been taken out of the movie so many times before yeah. that. I'm like Invisible plane. This is dumb. And then I just had to drop. It was like drop kick myself into different mode. I'm like, ooh, so pretty. Fire it's pretty alert. colors. I know. Fireworks I know. I, start, I, I... and I'm like, this is dumb. It's like, oh yeah, it's the fourth of July. But what's hilarious? That has actually happened to me in life. I flew back from Florida on the fourth of no July, and, and I was coming realize? to the airport. I mean, I knew because I didn't give a shit about yeah. it. 
but I was coming into the airport as like Vancouver and Portland are like exploding fireworks. So I am flying over and you see it over the clouds. So I had That's that moment. Cool. That's it cool. is fucking great. I yeah. recommend it. If you plan a trip on purpose over a city, if you're like That's landing awesome. at 10. Well, okay. Any other <laughs> points? Um, Oh, I mean, I like the style. Like, I like the armor, and I, I honestly, I like the bright colors of her mm-hmm. of her eighties Wonder Woman outfit. Sure. Um, did you stay for the mid credits stinger? I did. I am not sure if I like that or dislike that. Yeah, I guess <laughs> maybe this is mean, but I had a similar experience to when I saw Luke Skywalker, in that I was like, "What's wrong with her face?" <laughs> <laughs> and I just like maybe maybe there's a point at which you stop with the Botox. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. What was that? I think that must have been CGI. I'd have to go look for what. Uh, Linux no, she's just now. had a lot of work done. I think oh, that's I think go. that's what it what it is. And she's from the era where yeah. you wouldn't have to do that as a female. Yeah. Yes, and like I get that when when your entire career is built on your looks and your beauty, like that is a very difficult thing to let go of and age gracefully into Dame Judy Dench wrinkles. <laughs> on the one um, hand, giving her that like stinger and and having created this uh I don't remember her name starts with an A, this this yeah. Amazon warrior who puts on this shield and defends you know, against all of these warriors so that the Amazon can go and hide in Themyscira and she sacrifices herself and we don't know what happened. That's kind of epic. That is a kind yeah. of epic, rad story. And so to do a callback and a cameo for Linda Carter as that character, that's kind of cool. But then Well, again, that probably means she's going to be in the third one and a more prominent role. Perhaps. And then again, it might not be enough to give a sort of chintzy cameo at the end of a not great movie to somebody who was a cultural fucking icon, not fine, but she does mean a lot to a lot of people. Agreed. And it might not have been big enough. I mean, you don't know when you're saying yes to something like that, that it's going to turn out mediocre. Let's be generous. Um, because uh, I, I don't think it was shitty. I've seen way where it wasn't Batman versus Superman or yeah. Dawn of Justice, whatever the fuck, Justice yeah. League. Um, <laughs> that was awful. It, it, there, those movies are garbage. It wasn't Spider-Man 3 or right. either of the um, the other Spider-Man movies. Um, uh, yeah, so it was it was good. It was passable, but it also felt very juvenile. It felt like a lot of it was superfluous. There were some cool things that they were doing, mm-hmm. um, uh, but overall, it definitely did not. It didn't do even as good as the first one, and the first one wasn't perfect. Yeah, and um, it's a hard deal with the second movie and something because at least with the first movie, you're you're like you build a world and that's fun and people are excited about it because they're not comparing. Well, they might be comparing it to something, but they get to be excited about what you're bringing. Yeah. And building yeah. a world and origin stories are often they're, way more yeah. fun to do. They're easy too. Just insert some villain, like coming up with a compelling enough yeah. villain to keep our yeah. attention. I that's a real challenge in any of these. We're yes. expecting a serial. Yeah. Uh, well, and and even that, I will say, the best part of this movie was the villain. That that was cool. So yeah. what what was lacking for me was the hero like and 
and other stuff. Um, we know nothing other than a montage of photos about what the fuck she's been through emotionally. Yeah. And what her life is like right now before yeah. this thing shows she's up. She's just pretty. And, that's, and works at a museum, I guess. And, um, I, and that's really too bad because it's her yeah. fucking name on the movie. Yeah. She's like yeah. the least I, I'll even, character. I'll even <laughs> throw in there that like her defining character trait is that she's in love with a dude, which is kind of not Bechtel testy. Do you know what I mean? No. <laughs> like, I know that there probably were, this probably does pass the Bechtel test. There's a lot of female characters, but I'm, I'm saying like the fact that she's like the main defining challenge for her is she's still hung up on a guy. Um, yeah. The most powerful woman on the planet, arguably. Um, in, right. in all these different ways. And she's like, well, you know, I fell so hard in love with that guy that I'm just going to sit around and just work for the rest of my long life. Uh, what? That doesn't, that doesn't track for me with this incredibly smart, well-read human that gets in the boat with him in the first movie. She seems... I don't know. She doesn't have life experience. Apparently, you know, there's not dudes there. So, so there's some aspect of like, here's her first love with a guy. But prior to that, she seems to have different levels of wisdom, having lived quite a long time and having access to fuck tons of books that have ever been written about humanity and yeah. living. Of course, she hasn't yeah. done the living outside before. It just doesn't uh, seem like the same human. It doesn't seem like it tracks with the the author's version of her either. Like, I don't imagine that um, – what, what's his name? Dr. Professor – what was it? What's Marsden? It? Marsden. Marsden, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he it, it, that, it doesn't seem like he would write a story about her losing her love and then being celibate for 60 years. Oh, no. <laughs> no. And that's – God damn it is well it's this is not this movie is definitely not based on his Wonder Woman. But no. also is that the most compelling story of a female that we can have access to at this? That's point? why I'm like ah, like that exactly what you're saying is like, oh, like uh, like uh, uh yeah. I would rather see 1955. Like, I'd rather see frozen, you know? Like <laughs> You know, Frozen, the whole big deal was that there was no central love story. That wasn't the point of it. It was a story yeah. about two sisters being in love and, like, rescuing each other. And, well, like, make that, make that movie yeah. with with Wonder Woman and, and, and a female that she has to, uh, like, not a romantic interest. And no, 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 America can't handle it if it's not, I don't know. I don't whatever. know. It's very it's it, a weird it's, choice right now. It's a weird choice. Uh, there was and and it was so heavy-handed in a lot of other stuff like there were so many like men are bad and gross and horrible yeah. and um realistic. Yeah, it's yeah, and and the, that's the the implication of the wish thing too of it just like destroying the world um and all the the riots and things even that felt like like I'm, I'm fine with making a movie about a contagious virus in the middle of a pandemic. Like I'm fine with that. Yeah. If you're going to do it with some dignity and respect and you're going to add something to the narrative about it, yeah. if you're going to, and this did not feel like it was the movie again, like you say with Linda Carter, it's mm -hmm. like, 
how do you know that beforehand? But I don't know. It's just so weird. Okay, a friend of mine is explaining that one of the things he thinks is going on with the DC world and movies specifically, because it's different in their television and stuff. In DC movies, they kind of hand the reins to the director. Yeah. Specifically. And and there isn't really, none of these directors. There's not a, an, a voice over the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they a team would not have made that. No. Movie. Uh, One of the things, Watchmen, we were talking about Watchmen, the recent limited series. And and the person who was the showrunner for that said, this exists because of the team. I brought a story to the team. The team fleshed this out and built it up. I cannot see this script going beyond... Like, real fucking people in the world. That's a really good point. Like, like, producers with money and... That's a really good point. This movie does feel... A little bit like the first movie was successful, so they were just like, you can do whatever you want. And then she wrote a first draft and nobody gave her any feedback on it. Yes. And it's pretty good for a first draft, which is what I kind of think. I mean, Liz has said this for a long time about M. Night Shyamalan, yeah. um, that he had success with a couple of movies. And then slowly and steadily, they just got more and more and more up his own ass. And then you watch um, Lady in the Water and you're like, you wrote a movie where there's a character who's a writer whose writing is going to save the world. And you cast yourself as that character. Oh, good God, no. What? (laughs) And it's it it looks like a movie that somebody wrote and everyone read it and went, oh, this is wonderful. Yes. <laughs> and they didn't give him any feedback on it at all. Yeah. And this feels like I don't think she's that much of a hack. Like, I think this is for a first draft. It's actually pretty damn good. But you're right. It didn't have enough. It feels like it didn't have enough pushback or team involvement. Which is not like a Marvel movie, which is super collaborative in general. Yeah. Which is to say, perhaps if you're making something in the world, collaboration, recall that having other voices and alternative voices and 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 uh, diversity of ideas is an amazing and important thing if you actually want to make something that's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, it's not terrible. Um, it's just not as good as the first one, which also wasn't as good as most Marvel movies. <laughs> Fair. Fair. So, um, yeah. Um, what's next? We I, I gotta know. go. This has I been super long, <laughs> but like it's this is an hour and twenty five minutes we've been talking. What? Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's our last episode, but um, yeah. Are there are there any New Year's movies? I don't know. I know that on the first. Cobra Kai is coming out again. The third season, we haven't caught up with any of the seasons because no. finished. Vikings is coming back. I'm thrilled for the ending of Vikings, but you're not watching that, I'm sure. Haven't seen it, no. Yeah, it's so good. We just finished with um, the final season of The Venture Brothers. Mm. Um, the saddest thing is that at the very last scene, it has a black title card that comes up that says The Venture Brothers will return and it's canceled. It's not coming back. And that's oh. like, oh. oh, but it it also had a pretty good send off and like super good all the way through. So, yeah. do I, oh, Tenet. That's what I'm watching. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. I can. 
I've got it in my folder. I can do it. Okay. I um I have heard that it is borderline incomprehensible, and I'm kind of excited. <laughs> oh dear lord! Yeah. 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 I have ejected. I've pressed the eject button on a bunch of things in the last couple of weeks, and I am currently somewhat hate watching a couple of stuff. <laughs> like Ray Donovan, I don't like this, and The Affair, which is also I think they're both Showtime things. Uh, hilariously, I love Liam Schreiber. I met so Liam Schreiber. Pretty. Oh, I don't know if I like his character, but he just shows up in the screen. And it's like, oh, he's so pretty, and that's it. That's his yeah. car. It's like he's just just made in a shape that is. I, I love him as an actor. Um, <laughs> I, I think he's so great. I um. I got to I got to meet him once. Mm-hmm. We we went to a premiere that I, I forgot about this until just now. But we went to a premiere and he and the director were both there and they did like a Q and A afterwards. And then there was like a a, a, a I don't know a mingle or whatever. Right. Um, yeah, he was very nice. I mean, I didn't talk to him, but like he was there. <laughs> right. Yeah, maybe something will come up. So tenant, we can try to watch. And I still think catch up with Cobra Kai because I'm gonna jump on that. All right. All right. I don't know why, but for some reason, my 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 drive for that show just kind of went. Um, so uh, I'll give it another shot. It's definitely not as blocked as. Um, Dirtbag. No. Fleabag. Douchebag. All right. So many shows that people are like, you have to get to the second season. Like Shit's Creek. Is what's, there. what's the one? Is it Lost Girls? Oh. Is it the one about succubus and succubi? Oh, Lost Girl. Lost yeah. Girl. Yeah. Okay. That you one, that I think I'm I may I may start that with with my girlfriend. Now that we're done with um Venture Brothers, I have a feeling that one is gonna be right up her alley. <laughs> yeah, well, so that and then put on your like this is like TV has evolved kind of because of the show, especially mm. the people who are doing stuff in Canada because it's Canadian produced. Yeah. And the person who was the showrunner for that moves on to do uh Winona Earp. Okay. Pretty fun. So yeah. Yeah. Lost girl. I would love to talk Dang. to you about lost girl. All right. I think that might be, I, I got to talk with her and see if there's another thing needs to go above it. But if there isn't anything, I think that's um, Liz and she are watching um, dollhouse. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. The Joss Whedon one. Mm-hmm. That was actually one, the, the only Joss Whedon thing that I kind of had a hard time getting into. I never finished it because I just like, it petered out for me. Yeah. The ending season is super weird and kind of. Because it got canceled. Yeah. yeah. I just, I squeezed some. One of the challenging things is just Eliza Dushku because. Right. Yeah. Are we in agreement on this? She's terrible. She's, <laughs> she's terrible. She's but gorgeous, she's, but she's ever since Buffy. I'm just like, ah. <laughs> yeah. The reason why I was able to watch Dollhouse is because I know that she's an awful actress, but I just decided, what if I was an awful actress, but the director just had a crush on me, so I got yeah. to do stuff. <laughs> and it was the way that I, like, I watched it like that. It was like, what if I have no skills and I just got to keep doing things because I'm just pretty or something about me. The director's just like, yay. And so so oh. I'm celebrating how awful she is. I'm like, look what she got to do. Look what you got to do. Um, which is sort of 
how I got through watching Mamma Mia oh because God. I don't quite like musicals. I do love Mer- Meryl Streep and the whole thing's so fucking happy. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, what if I'm 16 year old or 15 year old Meryl Streep? But I'm just dreaming of getting to sing my way through Greece. Yeah. The islands and the prettiness. And I was like, this would be my dream movie of being a serious actress. And then I get to go sing ABBA in the most beautiful place in the world. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, this is Meryl Streep's fantasy island. That is, that makes that mo- that show so much better. I, I, that frame <laughs> of like, look at you, good for you. Look at you go. Like, I'm, so, that, that is such a good, I'm so happy for you. She gets to do, this character she plays in Dollhouse gets to do so many ridiculously yeah. cool yeah. and weird fucking things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally agreeing with you. <laughs> I, and, and look, it's all personal taste. Like acting is very ephemeral. I'm sure some people think she's great. Um, and I have felt that way ever since the first time I saw her on screen that I was just like, Ugh, like, this is terrible. <laughs> she's very interesting to look at. But yes. yeah. Oh, man. I just really wanted her to be even more badass in Buffy than she was i do like her in season season seven though when she comes back but uh, mm. it's been a long time since i've seen buffy yeah we gotta wrap this up oh my gosh well then <laughs> let's just stop that was 90 minutes i think we're we're good now not okay that, not that anybody's stuck with us if anybody is here having gone through this entire journey with us yeah thank you i yeah. very much appreciate that you are a true raving fan yes we have <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh i have to i have to okay we can end on this one second doop, doop, doop. Uh, okay i gotta okay. fill time <laughs> this is my official plaque of having become sir adrian gunn of the knights of the sovereign military order of sealand what what the fuck yeah remember, how did that happen so many episodes ago i was like i just I just want to be a knight. I've decided. I remember you talking about this, but I don't recall you saying that you were on a path to make that happen. Yeah. There's like, there's a code of chivalry that I get to uphold. And should I ever, you know, need to defend Sealand? I'm on the list. I'm, I'm one of, I've got like a, a square foot of land in Sealand, which is really just. Where the fuck is Sealand? it's, It's this cement port. That was uh, back in World War II, I think. It was one of the many uh, air air structures for airplanes to land in World War II. And it just happens to be outside of the territory of the UK. So and when so are when you going to get it down, put on your license and your Facebook and your <laughs> and all your business cards? Sir Adrian Gunn. Sir Adrian Gunn. Yeah. I don't have to be a dame because fuck that. I filled out oh, the right cards yeah. that I liked. I would I would no, not have exactly. expected anything else, but I'm so happy you actually did it. I did it. It is a Yay. little bit like naming a star or buying a plot of land on the moon, but it's it's still good. I mean, reverend too. You can also get reverend, <laughs> but I think I'd, I'd rather be reverend. I think than sir. Sure, sure, sure. Or baron. Some people want to be a baron. <laughs> okay. All right. Good. Congratulations, sir. Thanks. Um, and uh, TV Deeply, everybody. See you in 2021. 2021. Take care. Bye.